Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minnesota 19 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, I'm a filmmaker and more. How's it going man, you alright? I'm okay man, you? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Um, another busy one. Yeah, yeah, of course. You've, you're fresh off the bus, I believe, from uh, uh, from the frozen north. Yeah, from Aberdeen, I was playing a gig last night. How did but, that um, go? It was good, yeah, yeah. Uh, nice and busy. Played some new tunes oh, uh, at Watchfire's Band. Went down all right, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just um, slip that at Watchfire's Band in there. Has to be done. Yeah, um, that's, that's fine. What's been going on? Have you had time to watch anything this week? I've watched quite a bit this week. Oh, yeah? Been actually, actually getting in about my Shudder account for the first time in a while. Okay, cool. Um, I saw that they had uh, added Hounds of Love. Okay, right. Yeah, so I went back and checked out Hounds of Love again. Okay, so the first time I saw Hounds of Love, I wasn't overly impressed. And people generally like this is a, it's a pretty well liked film. Yeah, oh, well, I, it's an admired film. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a well made film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it looks great, but to me, it just feels a bit a bit empty. I had the same problem. I considering how heavy the subject matter is when with the kind of abduction of a teenage girl and so on, and obviously the actual content of the film is really yeah. unpleasant and really heavy going. I it did leave me a little bit cold as well. It yeah. didn't get the reaction it was after for me either. Uh, not even, not even a little bit, to be honest. I would agree with you. I think it's a well-made film, but I, th- I don't understand the fuss about it in a world where Berlin syndrome already exists. I think it's <laughs> yeah. a, it's a far superior handling of a similar yeah yeah similar absolutely. topic personally for me anyway. Uh, so yeah, I checked out uh, Hounds of Love, which has just freshly arrived on Shudder mm-hmm. uh, as a Shudder exclusive. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's on there. Check it out. It's the story of. Uh, a couple who abduct a 17-year-old girl and basically her uh, struggles to survive and escape, really, under increasingly awful circumstances. I would say that's a fairly... I think that's... A, yeah, that's... that's fairly pretty... concise summation of events. Yeah, and, and like I say, I mean, I'm. it's it's a hard-hitting story. Mm-hmm. It's a story that's worth telling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's based on based true on events. A true story, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I just yeah, there's just there was just something about it. I just I didn't feel like uh, it packed the punch it was saying it to. But I feel I like agree. Yeah. it seems like we're very much in the minority here because mm-hmm. uh, like I say, it's it's a very well reviewed film, mm-hmm. critically very well received. I don't but... think it's a bad film. I just feel like it's a bit meh. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I know that's not exactly the best critical description I could give to something um, that it's meh, but it's frankly a bit meh. Yeah, no, I completely yeah. agree. So, did you see anything that you liked a little more? I watched all of Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. So, is this a series? It's on Shudder. It is, yeah. It's a series based on a short film, but the series is from 2010, I think. All right, okay. So, it's kind of 22, 25 minute episodes about this young guy, Todd. He's at school. Um, he finds uh, a book, obviously called The Book of Pure Evil, mm-hmm. um, and him and his friend Curtis cite a passage from the book in an attempt to make Todd a skilled musician Okay, it obviously goes awry and then uh, the book kind of moves from person to person throughout every episode so every episode is kind of monster of the week type deal where the book kind of seeks out people who are in trouble or kind of ostracised or bullied or picked on and uh inevitably they wind up reading from the book and while they kind of get what they want out of it 
it has a negative impact as well. Okay, is it one of those kind of slightly Twilight Zone-y kind of stinger kind of endings? Or like kind of... No, no, uh, no, not at all. No, it's far, far goofier than that. It's, okay. It's, oh, okay, okay. It's really funny. It's The whole thing's pretty much based in their high school. Right. Yeah, I mean, the book just kind of flutters around the high school all the time, picking people, and then you've got uh, kind of stories about giant babies, you've got stories about when everyone in the school becomes gay. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's really gory, it's really funny, it's utter nonsense, but it, I really like it. Cool. Well, check that out. Yeah, you, should, you should check it out. You should definitely check it out. And that's on um, Shudder now. Yeah, there's two series on Shudder now. There is only two series. Okay, uh, but they're both on Shudder now. Cool. Uh, and you, I would absolutely recommend you check it out because it's it's really good, really entertaining. Nice. Uh, well, what else? I went back and checked out. Uh, you were never really here again. Ooh. Uh, not really fit in the podcast particularly, but uh, that's a fucking amazing film. I think thrillers you kind of get away with talking about here. Okay. And I would characterize you were never really here as a thriller. Yeah, this is an interesting one for me. Uh, so it's Lynn Ramsey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's her first film since we need to talk about Kevin, isn't it as well? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, so which got... is also a good film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got you've got Joachim Phoenix, who's a hitman kind of yeah. kind of character. Yeah, he he's a, a kind of gun for hire. Yeah, he's given a job to save a senator's daughter from a paedophile ring. Yeah, which he does. But it turns out there's a whole bigger kind of conspiracy, if you like, behind that. So he goes off on this path of righteous vengeance, I suppose. Now I think I think this is a great film. That's an amazing film. And uh, one thing that I really like about it is that obviously when it kind of sets out its stall in the beginning. And, and it's like, oh, you're rescuing the senator's daughter. You kind of look at it and you kind of assume that's going to be the measure of the film. Mm-hmm. And then obviously that resolves itself very quickly. Yeah. And you realize there's something else much bigger going on. And I quite like the fact that his character obviously feels a little out of his depth at some points. Yeah. Some of the scenes where it was like extremely violent, but also kind of he visibly was a little bit shell shot by things, didn't really know what he was doing. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Blue Ruin. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Another in, great film. Yeah, well, just but again, just kind of like because that's a revenge film, in, but about a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing when it comes to actually getting revenge on someone. Well, I mean, I would say that Joaquin Phoenix's character very much knows what he's doing. He's a yeah. professional, but he's never comfortable with the job he's doing in the first place. Yeah, it's just a kind of means to an end that he's and something that he's very very good at. So uh, I think when things start derailing in a way that he can't really control it the way he would normally, that's when he kind of struggles a little bit more with it. Yeah, that was kind of where I got the kind of. Oh, right. That's okay. where the Blue Ruin thing kind right. of starts okay. coming to for me. Uh, but no, that's a great film. Yeah, uh, absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant. It's really understated as well. Yeah, it really which is. I like. And Joaquin Phoenix is fucking brilliant in it. Yeah, it really he's is. Absolutely he's great. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be playing the Joker soon, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah, in a standalone Joker film. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. I see. Yeah. That is an interesting choice. I don't know who I would have. I don't know who I would have picked. Do you not feel that maybe that uh, maybe Jared Leto deserves another uh, crack of the whip? Well, I kind of think yeah, to be honest. Really? Like, oh, it's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I thought he was all right. Mm. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like I mean, David Strathairn's a little old for it. So I don't know, man. <laughs> Depends. You, you could go down that. I still think Willem Dafoe was the man for the job, but he's maybe a little bit old too. But certainly, f- facially, he's more or less ready to go. Agreed. Um, so I saw Teenage Cocktail. Oh, the, right, okay. I think it's a Netflix original um, mm-hmm. from a couple of years ago, or a year ago, I think. John Carcietta directed this. This is a Snowfort production, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I believe so, yeah. So you've got um, these two high school girls, one played by uh, Nicole Bloom, who up to this point is best known for um, the American version of Shameless. Right. She was she's pretty recurrent in that for a couple of years, from about 2014, 2016 kind of time. 
and one played by Fabian Therese, who has been in a bunch of stuff that I think is great over the last few years. She was in Southbound. Um, she was one of the girls in the band. Yeah. In mm-hmm. Southbound, she was in Starry Eyes, and also she was in Graham Skipper's Sequence Break as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she's in this as well, and basically they're they kind of they need money. They're trying to run away, as it were, kind of. So they start they start to raise money by um venturing into like webcam stuff but not like particularly explicit webcam stuff but it's that and that kind of starts out innocent and harmless enough obviously it kind of escalates and kind of culminates in this fairly tense encounter at the home of a married man who is played by pat healy all right okay who obviously has been around the block as well he's in a lot of great stuff yeah he's also in starry eyes but obviously like cheap thrills Mm -hmm. is kind of a big one for him as well Uh, the innkeepers the innkeepers of course yeah 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 um this is really good uh, it's produced by Travis Stevens, who's made a bunch. His names on a bunch Starry of stuff. Eyes. I like Starry Eyes. Yeah. Um, also, AJ Bowen is in it as well. Oh, yeah. In a kind of smallish role as the headmaster at the school that they're in and stuff like that. This goes in really unusual directions. I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. It took me about half an hour to get on board. Uh, I was really not sure what I made of it. Right. For quite a bit of time, but yeah, no, it gets there, and it's uh, it's it's pretty engaging stuff. Really liked it. Also, made it out to the cinema this week. Hey! Um, not to see The Meg or The Nun. Ah, boo! Or... Well, I see The Nun's not doing too well in terms of the old reviews. Yeah, um, uh, same goes for Slenderman. Um, <laughs> Slenderman looks like it's a fucking train wreck. I really want to see it, but I think it's already gone. I, th- <laughs> I think that there's a couple of screens this week. I um, think it just whispered off at it. <laughs> um, I'm, but I do kind of want to see it just out of morbid curiosity. But yeah, no, I, I missed all those. Instead, I went... Well, I, I opted out of all those. Went to see Anish Chiganti's Searching. All oh, right. Uh, which again is more thriller than anything. Uh, what you've got here is uh, so you've got John Cho, mm-hmm. obviously kind of best known for things like American Pie, Star Trek, Harold and Kumar, things mm-hmm. like that. Playing it straight as a dad, right? Here, you know, whose sixteen-year-old uh, daughter goes missing, and uh, the investigation is being carried out by um, a detective who's played by Deborah Messing. Um, so good to see her getting work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's really good in this. But basically, uh, John John Cho is brilliant, and I think that the fact that his character is so easy to sympathise with is half the reason why the film works so well. But basically, he's kind of getting a little bit frustrated by kind of not police in action, but he's kind of getting a little bit feverish about it. And he starts to put together kind of an investigation of his own by going through his daughter's internet history. So it plays out mostly, in fact, almost entirely, I believe, through the perspective of screens, whether it's TV screens with like news stories, things like that. It's, it's, it's a little bit of an unfriended in the way that it's laid out. But it's way more thriller than horror, and um, it's obviously it's also a better film. Because I thought I thought Searching was absolutely riveting, to be honest. Like I was, I thought it was absolutely gripping. John Cho, John Cho was amazing in it, I think. But it uses its it uses its conceit very well, considering the accent that it places on social media and things like that. It's really easy for that stuff to come off really gimmicky and lightweight, and it doesn't at all. Um, it doesn't, to the best of my knowledge, cheat with kind of the with like the rules that it sets up for mm-hmm. itself. It's a really really smart film. I was really emotionally invested in it. I've, I really I thought this was fucking great get out and see Search and it's brilliant well there you go we've got another uh, Mitch Bain recommendation right Mitch, there yeah right yeah. there there you go Yeah, I want to just touch on one other thing that oh, I yeah? saw this week and I know you've already seen it and you saw it at Fright Fest okay. uh, I picked up the Blu-ray from Arrow Video just the other day Pascal Logier's Incident in a Ghostland oh okay yeah yeah right <laughs> well, um, what do you think your face just screwed up in like a kind of mask of pain I did not care for Incident in a Ghostland yeah Land. I remember you saying that to me obviously you saw it at Fright Fest I turned up the next day so I completely missed out on it um, and I heard kind of mixed things about it. I quite liked it. Yeah? Quite liked it. 
I mean, it's a pretty brutal film. I, I, kinda, I suppose we've kind of come to expect that in a way from Pascal Logier. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, to me, it kind of lacks any kind of catharsis, really, that you martyrs might have had. Because mm-hmm. it ends on a kind of a weird cathartic note for some for some reason, despite it being so unremittingly bleak. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but Incident in the Ghostland seemed to lack that. To me, if I had a criticism of it, it's nasty for the sake of being nasty. I completely agree. But I think there's some clever stuff in there that I really liked. Okay, yeah. So I, I thought some of the, the story beats and her kind of, I guess, kind of disassociating with what's happening to her. I don't think that the film's meritless at all. <laughs> like, um, it's just, I had some problems with it. I don't want to go too much into where the, where the story goes, but there's a kind of frustrating amount of zigzagging goes on mm-hmm. um, in the third act. And by that time, I was kind of willing it to be over at that point anyway. <laughs> um so like yeah I think like they dot back and forth between a couple of places and there's a, quite a lot of that kind of feels like unnecessary kind of padding to me I also think that and I, I, I think Martyrs is great mm-hmm. obviously just uh, for anyone who's unfamiliar this is obviously the new film from Pascal Logier who made Martyrs and the yeah. Tallman did you see the Tallman? I haven't seen the Tallman right no. okay have you seen the Tallman? I've seen the Tallman what do you think? that's okay okay <laughs> so yeah my some one of my problems with Incident in the Ghostland is and like I say, Martyrs as a standalone piece of work I think is brilliant. I don't know how many more times I'll watch it between now and when I die because I don't know how many times anyone really needs to put themselves through that. But I think it's definitely one that's worth seeing once. I think Martyrs is a goddamn masterpiece. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's great. However, and like I say, In Isolation, that is a great film. And I think In Isolation, Incident in Ghostland is a considerably worse film. Mm-hmm. But when you look, when I'm starting to look at this as a body of work and I'm starting to feel like when the dramatic stakes need to be upped in a Pascal Logier film, I'm not sure that he knows how to do it without punching a woman. Oh, right, yeah. I think that like and that's starting to feel a little bit one note to me. Yeah. Like, visit, visiting physical drama on female characters is starting to feel played out in his films. And I think that, again, with Incident in a Ghostland on its own, I think that the film is nasty for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that knowing what's come before in his body of work, that bothered me more. Right. Because it's starting to feel like a really strange crutch. Wow, okay. I don't really have anything to say in response to that because part of me feels like you might be right. I'm open to, I'm open to persuasion and discussion on this one. I know someone is going to weigh in on this, but uh, we'll, we'll let them we'll let them weigh in on it in their own time. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was all right. I don't think it was terrible. I thought there was a, some ropey acting kind of early on, but it seemed to iron itself out a little bit. Um, one thing I didn't like at all was the introduction or the, the weird reliance on H.P. Lovecraft as a character throughout it. Oh, God, um, no. And no, then some terrible prosthetic that. makeup that I kind of burst out laughing <laughs> Yeah, but at the, the H.P. Lovecraft moment. But I feel like that was something we didn't need. It was enough that she was an author. Because it opens with like a H.P. Lovecraft, with like a photo of H.P. Lovecraft, like before the, the even the opening credits roll. Mm. Um, so it was, yeah, I found that a bit disconcerting. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I, I completely agree. There was yeah. a lot, of, a lot, like I say, a lot of things. Say nothing of what I was talking about before. I think a lot of elements of the third act of this really bothered me. Right. Thought it was just I was like quite poorly handled. Right. Uh, but that being said, I almost feel like I should owe it a rewatch. I owe it a rewatch because I came out of it considerably more down on it than pretty much everyone else that watched it with me, right. and everyone I spoke to afterwards. And when well, I, I when I spoke to a lot of people though, there was a lot of people that kind of echoed your sentiment. You weren't alone for sure. Okay. So I, I could see myself going back to it at some point, just to try and get a little bit more of an understanding of the positive things people took from it, because it was one of the ones that was quite high up on my anticipated list for the festival. Oh, mine too. Yeah, um, if, I, if I'd have been down there on the Friday, it was it would have been one that I would have for sure been keen to see. Yeah. So was it, yeah, I was like, um, I'm I'm glad that you liked it though. Like, I'm glad you got more out of it than I did. Yeah. And like I say, I might go back to it at some point. 
But yeah, that's just about my lot. Um, yeah, and that, that's well, about mine as well. Okay, cool. In that yeah. case. Yeah. Okay. Shop by us 100. We've got a theme song in the works for this now. Yeah, we do. I've had a, I've had a little listen to it. So yeah, the wheels are moving on that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Which is nice, finally. My, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so watch the space for that one. So yeah, yeah Shockwaves one hundred. I managed to fit in one oh, this for week. Fuck's sake, man. Okay. Excuse me. Right. <laughs> what did you do then? Come on. Um, I went back to nineteen sixty. Right. For Mario Bava's Black Sunday. Ah, excellent. Yes, it is. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I think that I thought that this was brilliant. Um, really, really liked it. I also think that the opening sequence of it is just incredibly unpleasant and like, <laughs> very, like in a way that with the, with the, with the mask, and yeah, the, the big hammer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the big mask with the nails in it. Yeah, I think that that got under my skin like nothing that I've seen from this era, right, has before. I think I think that really freaked me out. Um, and set the tone really nicely. Um, I haven't seen enough stuff in general, but I definitely haven't seen enough stuff from this kind of era and from these kinds of filmmakers. Right. And actually, Black Sabbath is on the list as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I've actually seen before. Okay. Um, I saw a restoration of it at Five Fist Glasgow one year. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I thought it was great. I'll revisit it and talk about it in a little bit more detail um, another time. But yeah, it's nice to start getting an understanding for these kind of filmmakers. Well, I can certainly like, help you out with a lot of that stuff in terms of if you're wanting a grounding in Bava. Uh, I've got quite a lot of stuff here. Cool. So. No, it's, um, I th- uh, that's the kind of thing. I think that what I'll probably do when I get out the back of the 100 is I'll probably look at... The th- You'll die because you're so fucking old. Yes, like- <laughs> precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's... Uh- <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably I'll look at the things that I that I got the most out of, and I think that those will be the next roads that I go down in terms right. of catching up with. Well, things. that's cool. That's yeah. an interesting approach. Uh, but I think I think that must I think that takes a total to thirteen. So this is crawling along. Uh, I feel it like it really is crawling along. Yeah, but um, I suppose if I was doing seven a week, it would be a short feature, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'd have to start thinking <laughs> of other things to do. <laughs> I think as long as you're hitting one, then at least we've got something to talk about. Yeah, I think I think there was only, there's only been one time so far, isn't there, where like I didn't manage anything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's try and sidestep that in future. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. So in that case, moving swiftly on. What have they been saying? Feedback now. Uh, this this has been an interesting week because there was a lot to sort through. Yeah. Was a lot of it was kind of um we've thinned it down to kind of like the main points of the discussions that we've had through the week but a lot of it was actually listeners and followers interacting with each other mm-hmm. around the points that we were raising so yeah um, which is always like we've said before it's always really cool to see that happen it is class yeah and obviously we're not we're not going to read out the ins and outs of all those exchanges but it's really cool that they're happening so yeah going to cut through a couple of things um that we've had this week the only one this week on saw six right paddy murphy oh right okay on facebook uh listen back to the saw six episode and um <laughs> he said uh, this episode was great thank you uh, I really enjoyed the fact that Andy basically convinced Mitch to admit most of the poor plot points but his pure love of the film was still abundantly evident and even seemed to infect Andy by the end of the episode I don't think I was infected um, I think that he's probably hitting on the point that I probably do make a lot of concessions about the fact that there are a lot of problems with where this goes narratively but, <laughs> I, th- but I think I did still come out the other side of it basically being like for reasons that I can't quantify I know yeah, I yeah, do really like Saw 6 yeah. uh, but that was all from that um, the rest everything else that I got was from uh, Life Force uh, okay. this week uh, before we go into that yeah, big thank l- you to Jules Boyle yeah absolutely uh, for joining us for Friday's episode that was a lot of fun yeah and how did your mum enjoy it the episode um <laughs> Uh, yeah, she uh, 
she she sent me a message when she was like about half hour in, uh, saying that she was listening and I'd pre warned her that uh, it had some kind of blue content, <laughs> uh, and she said that she listened and that, but she wasn't sure if she was going to stay the course or not. Right. Uh, and then, but it turned out she did. Well, she did. Yeah. Right, I got okay, a message. I got a message saying great fun for all. Oh, right. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mrs. B. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was pleased with that. Yeah, but definitely, uh, yeah, one of the more, uh, one of the more uh, eighteen star episodes that we've had, probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, a lot of fun, and um, we did have some, we had some good interactions about this. Uh, you wanna, you wanna kick off over on Instagram, Zoe underscore May again. Uh, got in touch with quite a big message saying, "Come with us now on a journey through a spaceship made of arseholes." <laughs> That's just the start. Uh, the first twenty minutes are hilarious. Moving through space without propulsion, okay. Then enter through the anus with the well-timed comment of I feel like I've been here before. Ultimately became a bit boring in the second half, even with come to daddy. I totally forgot that there's a weird come to daddy moment. Oh yeah, uh, that's gross. Yeah, it's pretty pretty unsettling. Yeah, so... Uh, um, thanks, Zoe. Yeah, thanks for getting in touch, Zoe. And uh, yeah, thanks for checking out the film. Yep, sure. As well, mm-hmm. uh, before the episode, always nice. So we've got... Uh, Chris Angel got in touch with quite a bit of stuff this week. Also, obviously checked out the film before we released the episode and made a couple of incredible observations that tied in, like, with... The stuff yeah, were yeah, as if we, as if he was in the room. Yeah, like he got the Quatermass in the pit comparison. He spotted the, the Glasgow's Miles, Miles Better, Better bus. bus. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, pulled a whole load of stuff out. But I'm um, so I'm just gonna thin that down. And he did say, wasn't it revealed at the end that not only had the vampires been here before, presumably every time Haley's comet came past, but that Colonel Carlson was in fact one of them all along. Hence the uh, added connection and why he survived the Churchill. I may have picked that up wrong. I certainly didn't get that. I have never got that. But um, I'm but if uh, I'm open to theories on this, I want to hear more. If anyone can uh, throw anything on the pile about that, I'm very very interested. He also said actually just a quick word because I did think it was one of the best ones of these. Uh, Jules's uh, synopsis, thirty second synopsis. Yeah. I uh, said best synopsis ever. This was probably my favorite episode to date. Oh. A couple of things. Most of the budget for the first half went on glass walls and doors to shoot up later. Dr. Bukowski could have saved the position they got D life forced if he didn't run through all those doors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> uh, so that was Chris Angel, uh, TenshiSans73 on Twitter, getting in touch with a few observations this week. Thanks for that. Barry Delgano on Twitter, at Delgano Barry, got in touch to say, I'm sorry, did you just say life force? Campus <laughs> fuck sci-fi horror action, nude space vampire Picard on man kiss bizarro fest? Question mark. That's the one. I may have died and gone to heaven. <laughs> you may have guessed I've quite the love for this cult classic. Can he fucking wait, lads? Yeah, well, we... Barry, yep, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope it was all you imagined it would be and more. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for that. Have you got anything else specifically on Life Force? No, taking a slight sidestep. Uh-huh. Um, James Plum at Mad Science Films got in touch. Just to say, uh, kids are back in school, making my way through a massive backlog of strong, violent PC episodes. Oh, cool. Then he got back in touch just to say uh, thanks to us for reminding him that he had this unopened gem. It's the first time watched since his VHS years, and it's uh, the lovely steelbook of White of the Eye. Oh, excellent. Yeah. From uh, episode 16. I believe so. There are thereabouts, Jackson Stewart. Cool. I had uh, Dennis X. Ratherton got in touch, um, said that he noticed on the last podcast a massive lack of David Strathairn love and just sent us a picture of David Strathairn, which I was always, I'm always happy to see that. Yeah, it was a very dashing image of David Strathairn as well. It really was. Yeah. It was a fine, fine choice. It was a good one. All the other stuff that I've got is responses to, because we did have a little bit of a conversation on Twitter this week about the fact that we had a new Halloween trailer. Yeah. Which I think looks great. Yeah, I think it looks brilliant. And judging by the reception so far, it seems like the film's going to be 
Yeah, I know uh, premiered on Saturday night. Toronto? At Toronto, yeah, TIFF. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, it all seems to be received quite well. So, we got in touch with our resident Halloween expert, uh, Mr. Preston DeFrancis. Of course, appeared, appeared a few weeks ago uh, talking Halloween H2O with us. We asked him what he thought of the trailer. He said the look and feel was exciting. Fascinated that they visually reference Halloween 2, the kitchen knife and the ham moment in particular, while ignoring it narratively. My overall opinion is the same as before. I'll be there opening night hoping for for something great which pretty much ties in with what I think I'm really looking forward to it it's closing in yeah can't wait looking forward to that and uh, Doug Arnobari again on Twitter just said I'm not a religious man but it appears that Blumhouse are doing the Lord's work well I hope so yeah me too it would be nice if it comes off and it's not a big pile of crap Uh, (laughs) and initial uh, responses are that it is not a big pile of crap yeah, but no. not without its problems. I've seen in a few things, but I'll reserve judgment till I see it for myself. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that's about it for me for feedback today. Oh, oh, oh you know what that means? Oh no, it's Mitch's pitches. <laughs> so for anyone who's unfamiliar, Mitch's pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. Andy will send me a picture to my phone, and indeed to all our social media channels, so you can yeah, play along at yeah, home. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will indeed upload up the upload this image. I have sent you the photo, Mitch. So uh, what we're going to do is Mitch is going to open the photo, have a wee look at it, and describe it in as vivid detail as humanly possible, please. Uh, in this particular case. Okay. Um, and then what he's going to try to do is give us a rough idea of what he believes the film is about. Okay. And a title, if you can. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. This is really annoying because I've seen this poster before, but I don't know what film it's for. Okay, that's fine. That doesn't matter if you've got a rough idea. Oh, that's the thing, though. I really don't. I just, I know that I've seen this image before. That is so annoying. <laughs> um, fuck. Okay, right. So what we have here is a wide-eyed and shocked-looking gentleman. <laughs> that is definitely, yep, yeah, that, that's definitely accurate. Who um, appears to be wearing a button-up shirt. Um, and uh, yeah he's looking pretty harassed his mouth is wide open and uh, the reason that he's looking harassed is because someone appears to be shoving a like kind of shish kebab into his mouth reasonable yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, it has uh, there's some meat on there and some and uh, appears to be what appears to be a small tomato (laughs) amongst other things amongst other kebabby miscellany um and uh, it is being forced into his mouth by what appears to be a giallo-like gloved hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's about as vivid as we can get. Yeah. Uh, without getting into the kind of colour of his eyes and you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, you did say you did say in as vivid detail as possible. Oh, this is so annoying. This is this is annoying because I know that everything that I say is going to be well wrong because I know that like I ah right never mind. I'll do this. I'll do this. Okay. Right. Because. <laughs> <laughs> right okay i i'm gonna sound like a moron whatever i say mm-hmm. uh so i might just embrace the madness here okay go for it and uh and just and just kind of go as far off book as possible oh fuck right okay well remaining true to the image yeah yeah i mean despite the fact that this don't invo- mention demonic presences uh, <laughs> I also I also probably shouldn't go for the pitch title of uh, for the working title of Death Barbecue because it's probably like, <laughs> it's probably just the a one in the series. It's probably <laughs> the explosive follow up to Death Party. <laughs> 
right, okay. Uh, right, fuck. The owner of a family-run Turkish restaurant resorts to desperate measures when a successful rival chain <laughs> restaurant moves in across the street. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and for a title, uh-huh. my first instinct, well, like, uh, like I say, was something along the lines of death kebab. But I can't just have I can't just have everything be the um, entries in the death series. Oh, I think you must. Well, maybe <laughs> I think there's a precedent set. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this is the uh, 1987 horror comedy skewered. <laughs> skewered. Yes, oh, that's fucking amazing. Yep. Steals idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, okay, uh, it's not skewered. Um, no such film. <laughs> what? <laughs> you did a water take. <laughs> water. I really sold oh, that shit, didn't I? Fucking hell. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not skewered. You'll okay. be you'll be shocked to hear. I'm, I, 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 um, I am. To the best of my knowledge, no such film exists. Yet. Um, what it is, however, is uh, J. Lee Thompson's Happy Birthday to Me. Fuck! From 1981. <laughs> Weirdly, um, just a, a little thing about J. Lee Thompson. He made um, Happy Birthday to Me, uh-huh. but he also made like a bunch of stuff for Canon. I know we touched on Canon in the Life Force episode. Uh-huh. He did like Death Wish 4, The Crackdown, and he did a whole bunch of Tons of stuff, which Charles Bronson in it, actually. But he also directed stuff like uh, Guns and Averon. In oh, the, really? The original 1962 Cape Fear with Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. That's metal. Um, so, yeah, his career took a weird turn after those kind of massive hits. He also did a Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Fucking hell, okay. Uh, so, That's yeah, his career took a weird downturn into madness with the Canon Group. <laughs> yeah, um, so um, do you want to just quickly synopsize on Happy Birthday to Me? Yeah, I'll do that. But a girl called Virginia, she survives an accident and, and a kind of brain injury and she's uh, amnesiac. Uh, off the back of that she's got like this group of pals at her school the top 10 they're a bunch of assholes her friends all start to uh, die in the run up to her 18th birthday ah. party yeah okay. so uh, another 18th birthday party Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and she starts to wonder: could it be her that's doing it? Okay. So there's a mystery element involved, but it's at its core, it's a, a slasher film. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, not skewered then. Not skewered, unfortunately, actually. Um, yeah, but yeah. it's a great image. It really it is. is yeah, it yeah, really yeah. is a great image. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, um, and yeah, we'll put that up on all our social media. Yeah, so it'll everyone be everyone can play along and it, see what we're, <laughs> see what we're laughing at. Yeah, it'll be there by now. Yeah. Yeah. If you go check out our Instagram and our Facebook and stuff, it'll be there. Yeah, so that's that. So, yeah, I would say probably my most erratic Mitch's pitches there is probably the one where I've swung the most wild, I would say. I don't know. I mean, you you played on what you what you were seeing. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say that there was any semblance of logic. No, no. But, no, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, so, next up, I guess, then, podcast recommendation. You got one? My turn. Yeah, I'm going to go for one that we've touched on a couple of times on the show before. Um, the Arrow Video Podcast. Oh, I okay. Yeah, yeah. in which uh, special effects man, Dan Martin, 
Mm-hmm. And director Sam Ashurst, who did Frankenstein's Creature, that played this year at Fright Fest. Uh, they pick a film from the Arrow Video Library, um, and they talk about it. Uh, they, okay, they cool. work their way through it, um, touching on the special features, touching on bits and bobs. Like they recently did an episode on Arrow's release of Doom Asylum, which uh, is a hot mess, <laughs> <laughs> and they're quite open about that fact. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Both of them have a mad, mad knowledge of horror films, so they have a lot to say about um, about where the films kind of place in, in the genre. Okay. And then they do like a recommendation each, or they do a couple of recommendations each based on the film that they've watched. So if you've watched this, why not watch this? Okay. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, Arrow Video Podcast with Dan Martin and Sam Ashurst. Very nice, yeah. very nice. And uh, yeah, I guess all that's left to do is turn our attentions to this Friday's episode of our show. Yeah! Yeah. What have we got then? We've got a really interesting one this week, gotta say. So uh, we do have a guest. Yeah, we do. He is very well-known artist in horror circles. I would say that's true. He um, might be the most well-known artist in horror circles. Yeah. Most recently has done, obviously does the promotional stuff for Fright Fest every year. Mm-hmm. Um, has also done the artwork for the Blu-ray release of Ghost Stories. Yep, he also famously did the artwork for Evil Dead 2, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, we are being joined this week by Mr. Graham Humphreys. We are indeed. Um, and he's bringing an interesting film. I know this is one that you're particularly excited about being a fan of anthology films. Yes. But he's bringing uh, 1985's Night Train to Terror. Excellent. Okay. Yep. Haven't seen it yet. Uh, yep. But it is currently available on Shudder yep. in the UK and the US. Oh, excellent. Okay, yep, cool. So you can check it out on Shudder. But it's accessible um, anyway. It is accessible. You can get your hands on Night Train to Terror. So that is what we'll be discussing on Friday with Mr. Graham Humphreys. Really thrilled to have Graham on the show. That's yeah. like really looking yeah. forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess um, that's just about it for another one. That is, yeah. Don't forget, though, if you want to get in touch with us between now and Friday's episode, loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram with Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can drop us an email at stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com. Yep, and if you want to listen to us, there's loads of places you can do that, pretty much everywhere, but uh, our preferred choices would be Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our pals at Podbean. Just one more thing I do want to say is big thanks to everybody who checked out the bonus sword on Wednesday. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, we that. did a bonus sword about the films that we saw at Fright Fest, what was good, what was bad. Um, we are hoping to do some more of these things in the future. Yeah, we've got some plans. Um, but we're not going to tell you really in advance, we'll just drop them on the day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So keep your eyes peeled for any future bonus swords. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thanks for checking out the one on Wednesday. And yeah, at the latest, we'll be back this Friday, 8am BST, when Graham Humphreys joins us to talk 1985's anthology, Night Train to Terror. Join us then if you can. Don't forget, in the meantime, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Good night. See you later. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.